Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to My Favourite Work of Art with me, Dr Laura Jane Foley. Each week I'm joined in the studio by a guest who tells me all about an artwork that means something to them. Today my guest is John Mitchinson, a writer, publisher and head of research for the hit BBC comedy quiz show QI. John is the co-founder of trailblazing company Unbound, a publishing house which funds books through crowdfunding. He's also the presenter of Backlisted, a popular podcast about old books. I'm delighted he's joining me today. Welcome, John. Lovely to be here. So tell me, what is your favourite work of art? My favourite work of art is a painting, a tiny painting. It's only um, eight by six inches by William Blake, uh, the poet engraver. Um, visionary um, who was operating in the early, late, I guess late 18th and early 19th century and the, the, the picture is the ghost of a flea. Right. Could you describe it for our listeners? I can. It's, uh, as I say already, it's very small. Mm. Um, it f- is basically a figure, um, a figure that is human-like except the face, which is much more, much closer to a reptile, mm. uh, extremely muscular. He was Blake loved um, Mac- Michelangelo above all other painters. So it, it has this muscular figure, strange reptilian head with a with a kind of slightly kind of scaly back, and the figure is holding in one hand a an acorn, uh, which is contains blood. It's tongue, the tongue of this terrifying creature is sticking out. And in the, his other hand, he's holding a thorn behind his back. And he's between two what could be curtains or possibly trees. And uh, out where the audience would be or the night sky, there are some uh, extraordinarily beautiful stars, one of which is swooping down like a comet. So... Um, ah, that's interesting. Yeah. You see it swooping down. I see it as a as a spotlight shining up. Ah, well, stage. well, you know, I think both of those things <laughs> yeah. could possibly be true. Also, a lot of people don't notice underneath on the floor there's a little picture of a, an actual flea under under the monsters. So it's an incredibly energetic, oh. terrifying kind of haunting image. I think once you it's hideous once you ever see this painting, you can never 
forget it. Yeah. And I love it because it, it represents um, it, rep it, it represents something pretty fundamental, I think, to, to to Blake as an artist, which is this idea that the visible world, uh, the natural world, is uh, is kind of uh, a sort of an not exactly an illusion, but there are great depths and complexities behind it mm. and um so it's it, it's uh, it terrified me as a child it still terrifies me when i look at it but i also find it intellectually exhilarating because it's just i mean in a way he's creating the whole idea of fantasy art in one painting there's there's nothing quite i mean there are there's amazing stuff in in Hieronymus Bosch. I mean, and and and, and Bruegel and earlier painters, but this is such a specific idea. This is an insect that has a soul, and there's some great stories behind uh, mm. how it came to be painted. Mm. Um, which I mean, I mean, basically, Blake had the gift of visions from a very early child. He would see angels. I mean, famously, he saw angels and Peckham Common sitting on a in a tree. And he would converse daily, he said to his brother, John, who died when he was, was young. And sometimes these, there's a slightly kind of uh, prosaic quality to, to, to uh, uh, Blake's encounters with the dead. Um, his brother at one point comes down and tells him or explains to him a, a, a revolutionary new pro process for making art, for making uh, prints um, in the late 18th century the standard way of doing a copper plate print was to put cover a sheet with wax and then to engrave into the wax and then you took you know melted the wax off and then you'd print into the lines what his brother said was paint directly onto the plate with varnish that resists the acid um, and then you don't need to use the wax you um, you then you know acid that you then get a, a relief, so it's it's in reverse to the normal process. But what it meant was you could paint with a paintbrush, so you got the most incredibly beautiful flowing mm. copper plate lines. Now, had Blake been even remotely commercial, he probably could have made himself a fortune and patented this, but instead he lived a life of near penury. So he says that came to him in a vision from, from his, his brother. His, bro his brother explained it to him. Now, this isn't what this painting... This painting is another... Um, it's made on. It's painted on mahogany, and it's interesting because there's a. It was he painted gold leaf, and then he made a kind of incredibly thick uh, paste. It's a tempera, isn't it? Yeah, tempera, and painted egg, on basically, basically egg. <laughs> egg and pigment. Yeah, um, so uh, sugar and gum and glue. Mm. So it's a very dark painting, and it's what's odd about it is it's as it's aged, it hangs in the Tate. Is its its surface is cracking, but it seems strangely. Kind of the, the 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 dark goldy greens and the cracking of of of, of the uh, the patina of, of of the painting seems to work kind of brilliantly with the subject mm. that is that is human like but half human half reptile half beast um, this idea of a of a, of a terrifying you know the, the, that extraordinary thing that small seeds contain you know like the acorn contain trees within them. Mm. It's almost like Blake saying that this tiny flea uh, contains uh, a, a, an energy that far out, really f uh, far out does anything that it, it, in, in its reality. So the idea of the flea or what the flea, the, the, 
the ghost, what the flea itself thinks of itself. And he, he met a flea. He met the ghost of yes, the flea. Yes, I've heard about this. So he was friends with a, a, an astrologer and a bit of a fan, I think, of his, because I think he was 30 years younger than, than Blake. Yeah. But yes, it's important to say Blake is painting this when he's in his 60s. So yeah. it's, a, it's a late Blake. Um, and a lot of his early sort of visionary poetry was painted, was 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 written sort of 20, 30 years earlier. Mm. So he met this chap, Varley, and they held seances, seances together. And it was at, at one seance that he, he saw the ghost of a flea. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, they'd have seances. So Varley was um, big. Uh, he's described somewhere as a 17-stone bear of a man um, and was fascinated by... Um, the esoteric and the, but he didn't have the gift so he would go to sciences How and nothing terribly sad for him. <laughs> no, nothing well it's, he's, it's brilliant but blake did blake was yeah. this was blake would do you know would, was continually talking to to people who were who were dead or to spirits that weren't there so so folly was the enabler then folly was the enabler and and what happens is is that um he he just says to Vali once, oh, I was just having a conversation with a flea. And what he would do is that, it, that, that he'd have these visionary sketches, he'd talk, and he, then, then, then Blake would draw them. So Vali said, well, that, that sounds incredible. Um, you know, have you, did you draw him? He said, no, unfortunately, I, was, you know, I wasn't sitting down. But he said, if he comes back, and then as they're sitting down, he said, oh, the flea is back. And he says, I see him now before me. I therefore, and this is Varley, I therefore gave him a paper and a pencil with which he drew the portrait. I felt convinced by his mode of proceeding that he had a real image before him, for he left off and began on another part of the paper to make a separate drawing of the mouth of the flea, which the spirit having opened, he was prevented from proceeding with the first sketch until he closed it. So that sketch actually is, is a separate one. I don't know whether you've seen this, Laura. Is, um that was the very first. That was actually done in real time. Right. But you can see it's got the strange scaly face yeah, definitely. and the tongue, yeah. the terrifying tongue. Yeah, as you can see, yes, yes, definitely. Um, so, but of course, it being Blake, the, the flea gets to talk. <laughs> so what the flea, what the flea <laughs> says to um, Blake is that fleas were inhabited by the souls of such men as were by nature bloodthirsty to excess. So... Goodness me! I mean, that is so. It's this kind of it, it, the thing with Blake is you've you've always got to be checking. I mean, the stuff that he produces, I think, is remarkable. You know, the Tiger, the, his poem is mm. the most anthologized poem in in, in English. Um, his songs of innocence and experience, I think, are you know kind of they're, they're one of the great masterpieces of world poetry. But he was also, I think, an artist of genius. And the two you can't really separate. Mm. He, he was he lived on this, like I say, it wasn't a terribly commercial plane that he lived in. His wife Catherine um, would sometimes put a, an empty plate in front of him to remind him that they had nothing to eat in the house. Oh my goodness! Uh, so I mean, literally away with the fairies for a lot of the time. But, but I think as well at that time, I don't think he was particularly well thought of because I think the fact that he went on about these visions, I, I think people thought was a bit odd. Well, he famously had one exhibition. And uh, to which he, I mean, he sold nothing and he, he was completely, I mean, I think there was a, there's a single review that said he was a madman um, and intemperate kind of nonsense that his, his so the idea. Madman to visionary now as we see him. Well, obviously kind of, you know, the marriage of heaven and hell, which was full of amazingly kind of, uh, of rather 60s kind of, you know, 
Dan braces, bless, relaxes. Um, you know, the road to wisdom is is paved. The the, the, road, the the palace of wisdom. You get through the road to excess. You know, he was he was full of these amazing, and that I think is the the thing. He's full of these incredibly dualistic ways. For him, evil wasn't bad. It was just it was it was what it it, it was energy. So there's a sort of light. I mean, he's, all his work is is about the sort of battle between good and evil, light and dark. But he's got that manichaic way of looking at it. He doesn't, I don't think he thinks, you, you know, you can't have one without the other. So the ghost of a flea, although it's terrifying, is, I think it's just a, for me, what makes it memorable is, is as I say, it's this, it's this idea, you know, the, the other idea that people remember from Blake is the universe in a grain of sand, that the small, unregarded things are just as much manifestations of energy and of the universal as um, I mean he had a great hatred for for the artists of uh, you know the the portrait artists of the day um, Joshua Reynolds discourses he annotates and which we have his annotations and it's full of sort of insults you know nonsense rubbish <laughs> how dare he um, and he you know Gainsborough as well so in a way this portrait uh, is a is a sort of um, it's almost like a challenge to the status quo, saying, you know, you paint your fine lords and ladies, but I'm painting reality. I'm painting something that's terrifying. Uh, you know, fleas are despised because they suck blood, um, and they you know they they live on poor people. But I'm going to show you what the actual soul of a flea, which is even worse than you could imagine. And there's a sort of dram dramatic quality to the painting that I. You know, you, you 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 think of sort of horror movies. You know, Alien. I think of when I look at this, and mm. I think this that idea of of the kind of the the marriage of a human being and an insect, or a human being and a reptile. Um, and yet, there is great beauty in it. There's there's a sort of amazing energy to, you know, walking across the stage, holding this bowl, you know, about to drink blood, or perhaps, uh, you know, to, to spit blood into it, and then. The beautiful stars behind and the curtains—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's very arresting. I think once you've seen the ghost of a flea, you never forget it. Mm, yes, definitely, definitely. When was the first time you came across it? I came across it, I think, as when I was a, a, a child in a book of my parents had a book of Blake's um, paintings. I, I I liked Blake as a child because those poems are so so memorable they're like nursery rhymes the innocence and experience again another blake duality you know you need one you have to you have to have both and uh, it, there was a, the, this painting was in there and i, I it, it's just one of those things you you as i said you know you you look at it and you you're trying to work out is it a flea is it what is it it looks more like a kind of yeah it looks like something terrible that you see on doctor who or um, and yet that it's also kind of, in a way, the way he draws it, it's quite human, the strength in the arms and the legs. You don't, you don't feel that this is not, this is, that it's totally foreign. I mean, it's not like a completely imagined um, uh, uh, sort of alien. It's, it's, it's something that is very human as well. So um, it was one of those paintings. I think there are, there are all, you know, there are a number of Blake images that you kind of carry with you. There's an amazing one of the ladder going up to, to, to the into space with I want and somebody standing at the bottom of it. Uh, I, I, I guess it, you know, as as somebody who was interested in, 
in artists who were outside the mainstream. It's always been one of the things that I'm, I'm intrigued. He's, he's the great hero of outsiders. Uh, T.S. Eliot rather kind of uh, sneeringly once said that, you know, we, we admire Blake's poetry like we admire, you know, homemade furniture, which is very, I think, very harsh. I mean, Blake was a brilliant linguist. I mean, he taught himself Greek and Latin and French. He was impossible to school. His father said he was too bad-tempered and, and too assured of his own genius to go to school. So he kind of just went and did, went to Westminster Abbey and, and learnt, more or less taught himself to draw and then to do engraving and, and made practically no money from what he was doing. Um, never had any children. He and, but he and, he and Kate, his wife, were happily married for 45 years. You've chosen this as your favourite work of art. Do you think there's something about the time we're living in now that's made you pick it? If I'd asked you five years ago, would you have chosen the same work of art as your favourite? Uh, uh, you know what? I, I thought about that too. I do think, um, uh, you know, it, it's always a, it's a, 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 both a delicious uh, thing to be asked, but also a kind of terrifying one because, you know, there's so much stuff that I love. But I've been thinking a lot about Blake and I've been thinking a lot about um, history and how... Uh, the things that we think we've vanquished, the the arguments we think we've won, the, the, the advances that we think we've gained. History has a terrible way of um, teaching us that, you know, that isn't the case, that you you have to fight, you have to keep fighting, that that the, the kind of the, the sort of the, the spirit of, of what Blake would have called evil is... In, inextricably bound to what Blake would have called good, you know, that these two things never, I mean, it, you know, they're in constant battle. So I think maybe he's kind of useful poet in these times because he's, he's very direct, very, very simple vocabulary and diction, but the, the ideas are so profound. And I think the idea of us living through, as people say, you know, this is a nightmare, you know, we've, I thought, you know, we, we thought we'd consigned fascism to, 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 to the grave. Surely we can't be unravelling. But actually, when you take the long view of history, you know, it may be that this, this democratic experiment that we've all assumed was simply, you know, progress um, is, is more fragile than we thought. And that I hadn't thought of it that explicitly, but now you mention it, when I look at this kind of, there's something quite Trumpian about uh, the, the flea, you know, that sort of strange mm. kind of grotesque, you know, sort of uh, there's a sort of strength to it, but also a sort of horror to mm. it. So God, I hadn't really thought of that, Laura. It's quite interesting. Mm. Maybe that's been... I mean, there are many other prettier things that I could have chosen, <laughs> but I, I, I suppose I, I, I'm the imagination and dreams, I think these are things that we have to admit into our into our discourse if we're going to really mm. understand how human beings function and simply telling people that they should, you know, that they're idiots for voting for Brexit or that, that you know, that we need to be, we, we need to be subtler and more, uh, and more honest about the, the fact that we are, we are all divided selves. We're all, none of us is wholly good. None of us is wholly evil. And that, that uh, Blake is just a brilliant 
he, he you know reading the the proverbs he saunters through hell and he has you know supper with Isaiah and Ezekiel and and he comes up with all the and he says rather casually uh you know when you go to foreign countries I find it useful to write down their proverbs because it helps you to understand so he collects the proverbs of hell and then he creates the proverbs of 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 heaven as well and it's true that the proverbs of hell have a kind of brute uh, kind of rather a, a sort of erotic energy to them and the proverbs of heaven are a bit a, a bit nicer but you kind of he makes it difficult for you to to to, to choose the two and i think that kind of finding a way of balance is what we need to do in a much broader cultural kind of context. Mm. So, so maybe maybe that's maybe that is a uh, that's all fed into why I chose yeah. it. Such a small artwork, and yet so much to talk about it. But I think we have to leave it there. Brilliant. Thanks so much for coming in, John. Thank you. Today we were talking about William Blake's *The Ghost of a Flea*, a small work on mahogany completed around 1819. Born in 1757 and dying in 1827, William Blake was an English poet, painter and printmaker and is considered one of the most important figures of the Romantic Age. If you would like to see the artwork we were discussing this week or carry on the conversation further, you can find me on Twitter at Laura Jane Foley. And if you want to discuss the show, please use the hashtag MyFavouriteWorkOfArt. The show was recorded at Wise Butter in London. The title music is Blue from Colours by Dimitri Scarlatto. I hope you'll be able to join me next time. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.